0: Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning. Yep, that's what we're doing today. We are going to do a review of the album, the soundtrack for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning. This was part of the first series of reboots that happened in the uh, early 2000s. I think this came out in 2006 was when the soundtrack was released. So the movie was just before that. Uh, I really liked what they did here. I, this was the second part. So they, they did a remake of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre or reboot, I should say. And then they did this as a follow up movie doing sort of a prequel. And I thought it was fantastic. The soundtrack was what really got me. And by this point, I was already a fan of Steve's. So I was really excited when I found out that he was doing the soundtrack for this. Could not wait to see it. Uh, I would have watched it anyway, just because I'm a big horror fan, but to, to really excite me. Uh, knowing that Steve was doing the soundtrack, I was very curious to see uh, what he would do with horror when they came out with the first one. Uh, I love the score, but there's something really magical about this score. It's absolutely phenomenal. It has so much intensity and darkness and depth and layers. Uh, it's it's just incredible. And as far as I'm concerned, one of the best horror soundtracks ever written. Now. Everybody has their favorites, but a lot of times I think people really associate with loving the soundtrack with the fact that they loved the movie. They loved how the movie made them feel. Uh, They loved maybe the intensity of it if it's a horror movie, uh, you know, or if it's an action movie, you know, how the music kind of helped them move along with uh, what was going on in the visual. But that's just it. Soundtrack music, for the most part, is really designed to just enhance the emotion that you're seeing. Right? So if it's an action film, it's it's got to do something to keep it feeling intense. If it's a love story, it's got to be something to be sad when it needs to be sad, be sweet when it needs to be sweet. But the pieces themselves, other than particular themes, like a, a character theme, a main theme, or maybe a locational theme, those are really designed to stand out a little bit more. But apart from those, all the the background, really, the that music is really just designed to enhance the emotion, direct your feelings, whether it be something that, you know, there's a, a couple that's in a park and you know he's he's like really shy because it's the first time that they've ever sat together and you know she's kind of excited but she's really scared because she doesn't know where this is going and they have that teenage nervousness. And you play this, you know, kind of sweet bit of music, but maybe it has a little bit of an edge to it to kind of enhance or or help the audience identify with that intensity. Because maybe they don't see the scene of two people sitting there. Maybe they don't feel as much of the uh, strain as the director wants those two people to feel or the writer does. So what do you do? You put in music that helps guide more specifically what you want the audience to feel. So when you're doing that, you can play along with it. You know, you can put in something that feels like a little bit sweet, a little bit loving, but a little bit nervous. And have it be fun, it can be playful, it can be serious, all kinds of things. Whatever you want the audience to feel, this is how you help create it. Uh, The unfortunate thing is that when the actors are doing the scene, they don't get to do the scene to the music. So uh, it's a completely different experience for them because there is no soundtrack. Uh, Sometimes there's temp music that they'll play uh, for the actors, but it's usually more uh, for choreography. So you take these two people and they're, let's say, in a little gazebo in a park that's by a pond and there's some ducks that swim by and it's this sweet little moment. But now let's add a sound that is really unpleasant. Something that gives you a sense that this is not about these two people sitting there on that bench in the gazebo, trying not to kiss, but wanting to kiss at the same time for the first time as a couple. It's not about that at all. It's about somebody that's watching them from behind a tree. And you've got the long distance shot of them. And you've got that sound that comes in that tells you, wait a minute, this is not a safe space. Something is not right here. That's the power of music. You know, you can have the visual and the visual needs to look good. It needs to create a certain feeling. It needs to match, um, you know, but but to really fine tune or even counterbalance what you're seeing. Because without that, it would just be a long-distance shot of them in a gazebo from across the field or maybe across the pond. You wouldn't necessarily know that there's something bad about to happen or something mysterious or some kind of danger that they should be concerned about if they weren't too busy looking into each other's eyes and giggling like children. That sound changes everything. And that's what film score music is all about. So it's, it's in places it needs to be up front. Think about like, you know, the battle sequences of Star Wars where the music is right there with you. You know, you're feeling it, you're hearing it. There's, there's no getting around it. It's very much meant to be heard. But the background soundtrack music is really more meant to be felt and not necessarily something that you would go, oh, look, a violin just started playing. All of a sudden, it's just there. You're just feeling it. You're not really paying attention to it because you're engrossed in what's going on visually. You're listening for dialogue, for sounds, for different things, and this music just kind of creeps in out of nowhere. Sometimes you don't even know that there's music playing. It's just there. Other times, and a perfect example of this would be the opening scene of Gladiator, that opening battle um, You know that Hans Zimmer wrote. The uh, story that I heard was that he wrote the sketch of it. He gave it to uh, Ridley Scott really said I love it make this a thing and then he actually edited the opening battle sequence to the music instead of giving Hans the final cut of the battle sequence and saying okay now it needs music it was actually done backwards so music in that scene was very very important because there weren't a lot of sounds there were the clanking of swords there were some uh you know uh, hoof beats and and things like that some some screaming and and whatever but for the most part that scene was very much driven by the music so a horror movie is kind of a combination of both. It can lead you to know that there's danger coming or to mislead you and make you think that danger is coming when there's really nothing there. And sometimes people will get an uneasy feeling in the movie. And even though the killer's nowhere around, they just have that sense of something's not right here. you know. And I think we get that in real life. I think there's those red flags that... Um, we get a sense that something's not right even though we may not be in immediate danger there's something about the area maybe something about the time it being that late at night being isolated you'll notice a lot of horror movies will take you out into the woods or out into one of those uh you know mansion private homes where people can be locked in by their own security system and uh and they're trapped in there with the killer or with the robbers or whoever's holding them prisoner i mean they always isolate that is the biggest key To making a horror movie, uh, especially like a slasher film, I should say, a a slasher film or something with a splasher film, a slasher film or something with that kind of intensity, uh, isolation is a big part of that. So you'll notice a lot of these films take place in the woods. A lot of them take place where they're secluded, where they can't just run to the neighbor for help. Or it'll be a time when for some reason everyone's away. You know, take Home Alone. Home Alone is not a horror movie, but it recreates that same thing. Kevin is completely isolated. You know, most people are maybe out with their family celebrating Christmas. He happens to connect with one neighbor that happens to be home because he's pining for his child. But apart from that, he really has nowhere to run because for some reason, some magical reason, the entire street decided to go out of town for Christmas. So again, isolation, you know, um, he had choices, though, that that, you know, he could have let the guy in on what was happening and help him with his plan or, or saying, Hey, keep an eye on my house or whatever. He didn't do any of that. But in a horror movie, it's basically that kind of isolation that is really the, the key to the intensity, to the helplessness, to the, um, feeling like there's nothing you can do against this killer. And then you take a guy like Jason or, or Michael Myers, who just seems so inhuman. They've been shot, burned, buried, blown up, whatever. And yet they still keep coming somehow. Um, you know, they they run faster when they're moving half as fast as the victim is. It's all so weird. But you you get that sense of no matter what I do, I'm going to die or this character is going to die. And that's what it's really all about. But to make that really intense, you know, to really feel that you have to have a soundtrack and a rare instance where you don't would be like the Blair Witch because it didn't make any sense to have music playing unless they were carrying around like a boom box or something like that, which would have been stupid. So that movie specifically didn't have anything. And I think in that rare case, it worked better because it, it added such a level of realism. If there had been a soundtrack in the background, it would have felt like a movie as opposed to the way they sold it, which is this is real found footage. There wouldn't be a soundtrack to that. Uh, Cloverfield would be another one where, uh, you know, this is supposed to be happening in in real time and uh, a real event. So they were at a party, there was music at the party, but when they're running on the street, there's no music because where would it be coming from? You know, occasionally maybe there's a, a car they pass by or a shop that's playing music and that's okay because that makes sense. That would be happening in the world realistically. So the score to a horror movie is honestly probably one of the most important components. You have to have good strip, you have to have a good location, you have to have good direction and actors, and you have to have a good soundtrack. Without any one of those components, it's going to come off cheesy or weak or not believable or whatever the case is going to be, not intense enough. So that brings us to Steve's soundtrack. So Steve Jablonski did the the music for this movie. It is absolutely incredible. It's absolutely stunning. The other thing I want to mention is that this might be a little bit different of a review than I normally do, because some of the songs are really parts of themes that throw back and forth to each other. The main title, for example, um, the intensity part repeats in a song called 10 Push-Ups, which is about halfway through the film. And so it's very thematic. So I won't necessarily have a lot to say uh, for those pieces. And other pieces are really just background music to generate that extra level of intensity. So there's, there's not really a lot to talk about in the way of songwriting or dynamics. It's really more about just sounds and layering and creating that atmosphere of, of you know, nervousness, uh, fright, uh, you know, whatever it might be for that moment. So there may not be a lot to comment on for each individual piece. But overall, it's really about the enhancement of the movie experience. So that being said, let's kick this off with the main title. right off the bat it's just dread it's intensity building it's hitting you right in the chest it's giving you that sense of i don't even feel safe in the movie theater or in my home watching this on my computer or on my television Uh, it's just very foreboding it really sets the tone that this film is going to be intense at least the sound is and, and you hope that the rest of it will match um I think it's it's really interesting, too, because this, uh, you know, a lot of times the uh, opening piece of a soundtrack is really kind of working as an overture. You get little bits of the themes that are going to be throughout the film. So a lot of times they're written last. I don't know in this case if it was or not, but this uh, part that we were leading up to as I faded it out actually is, uh, as I mentioned in a song called Ten Push-Ups, and we'll get to that so you can see where that intensity builds to. But it is quite the payoff, I will say. It's uh, one of my favorite pieces. When I lived in uh, in North Phoenix, there was a road behind Target uh, that was really close to my apartment. And that was like, for some reason, you would drive down that road late at night, and it would be like you were in another world. It was just dark. It was really weird. And I loved that street. So I would purposefully go out of my way whenever I was listening to this album to drive down that street on my way home, because it really just kind of fit the uh, this is probably a you know, point where my car would magically stall or I would blow a tire and out comes the killer. Um, But uh, in any case, I have to laugh on a side note because while I was uh, finishing up my intro before I played this last clip or this first clip, um, I noticed that the timer, my alarm was about to go off and I had to to stop it because uh, my banana bread needed to be checked. I'm making banana bread while I'm doing this podcast, which is what you do you know, when you're when you're reviewing horror music. And so um, for those of you who are wondering, it looks like it came out delicious. Uh, It's cooling right now. So time will tell. But the recipe called for a teaspoon of cinnamon if you wanted an extra kick. So I'm going to be very curious to see how that affects the banana bread. I've never done that before. So I'm I'm terrified. We'll just see what happens. but getting back to the film, yeah, it's a it's a it's a great piece, it's a great opener, uh, one of the most intense pieces of horror music I've heard. You know, Jaws had some intensity to it. And even to this day, uh, I, I really love the intensity of the soundtrack, but mostly for me, it comes in little bits. There's certain points where I feel that intensity. It's more like when the strings build up instead of just when they're starting that slow part, unless I'm watching the movie. With the movie in context the whole soundtrack is a lot more terrifying. Listening to it on its own, not as much for me. Listening to this on its own, I don't even need to watch the movie to feel the intensity of this soundtrack. Uh, I think it just it just kicks right off from the very beginning and and just delivers the entire time as we will see. So we're going to move on to the second part. This is called Birth. And this is when the mom, who is working in a factory—the same factory that our uh, our killer Leatherface will go on to work at later on in life—is about to actually be born. Hence the you know name birth. just as in the movies, there can be jump scares in the music. And this was a great example of that. That's why I wanted to play until it got to that part. Um, also, I was thinking, too, I might not play, like normally when I'm doing this, I do uh, from the beginning of a song, play 30 to 30 seconds to a minute or whatever. Um, but for this, I might actually just play sections of the songs that are, are kind of more relevant to what we're talking about, since, I, like I said, a lot of them are really just background pieces. But that last bit there, that just kind of coming out of nowhere in the shock, of course, in the movie, you kind of see or feel maybe a build coming that the music may not show you. Uh, Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, all depending on what the director wanted you to feel. And when I've done scores, that's what I've always talked to directors about once. Well, once I knew what I was doing, I didn't talk in terms as much about music as I talked about feeling. What do you want the audience to feel? What should we be feeling? What kind of feeling do you want here instead of, um, okay, are you looking for a piece like Genesis or did you want something like Metallica or like what do you want? Um, Always talk in feelings. That's that's the most important part I can say as a film composer. but in a case like this. So visually, you know, you know, something's going to happen. And then musically, it just comes out of nowhere. Uh, Sometimes that matches the visual. Sometimes it doesn't. It all just depends on what the director wants, because they can cut the song up that the composer wrote. They can say, you know what, I want, uh, you know, 30 more seconds of this before we hit that jump scare. So they might take that and move that piece over a little bit. Um, All kinds of possibilities to what they do. But that that part right there, I thought was just phenomenal and so intense and, and volume is sounding. You know, it really sounds huge. I didn't get to see this in the theater, but I bet it would have sounded absolutely stunning on a theater sound system. So uh, now we move on to where our dear friend Leatherface, so misunderstood, poor guy, uh, is, is working in the very factory that he was born in, but he has not been doing well. And he's about to lose his job in a song called Fired. So some really nice layers and textures here. A lot of times, too, soundtrack music is a combination of music and sound design or textures like this where, you know, what you're really using is just different sounds that blend together to create that atmosphere. Um, I love the pulse of this. I love the heartbeat of it. You can really feel a certain pacing that was designed to go with a piece like this. And a lot of it, you know, if you're thinking in terms of what's the visual, a lot of it is you know the the manager of the uh, factory, and he or the plant, and he's just telling Leatherface, "Hey, you got to go." And Leatherface just standing there, staring motionless, with just the luck of happening to have a meat cleaver in his hand because it's a meat packing plant. But what are you going to do there? You're not going to play a melody. You're not going to play you know something with harmony. You're not going to do a drum solo. You you've got to do something that just is as patient as the visual you know the the guy is just standing there waiting for leatherface to respond and he could he could be standing there for hours as far as he knows because he's not getting a response so it's about that tension right there and that's what this piece brings about so unless there's action there's really no reason to do something too crazy unless you're trying to draw uh, attention to or away from something so without that, what you're doing is you're really just creating the mood and the atmosphere of what's happening to enhance that intensity that they're feeling there in the meatpacking plant. So that being said, this next song is called Chainsaw. Who would have thought in the text of Chainsaw Massacre, there'd be a song called Chainsaw? What I love about this song in particular is just that all of a sudden, out of nowhere, intensity, you know, it's almost like we've been in an action sequence and you just didn't know it. And now the music is intense and then it's just over just like that. And I think that's pretty awesome. I also love the use of cymbals and gongs that are being hit. Um, not a gong as in like a big hard strike, like you would hear in uh, like on the gong show or something like that, or, you know, some of those like rock drummers that would have a gong. Um, But it's really just, you know, hit gently with mallets, uh, with uh, felt mallets, and uh, really almost uses a wash instead of a hard strike gong. And that really adds some intensity. I love doing that in horror scores, because it helps with transitions, it helps with blending, it allows you to make changes underneath of them, without them really being noticed so much. And it's just a very powerful tool in composing horror music. So uh, that being said, now we're going to be introduced to Officer Hoyt. just love it. I love the intensity of this. I love the Builds, I love the shocks uh, all of it. It's just so wonderful, and the the darkness of this score is phenomenal. It just has a dark tone to it on top of everything else. I love the the violins coming in and just adding a little bit of pitch at the end just at the very end where there's like preceding a couple measures has a little bit a little bit of it right before that. It's just an amazing combination of layers and build and intensity and you can see why this is one of the most powerful horror scores to me. I've heard a lot of horror scores. There's the classic Psycho, but you know, Psycho actually does not feel scary to me. It's a nice melody to me. Um, it, It has an intensity and thinking back in the day that it came out, it would have been pretty intense. But listening to it now, I don't feel that, whereas I feel like 50 years from now, I'll listen to this soundtrack for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning and and just be feeling every bit of what I'm feeling right now. I think that this is a soundtrack that will easily withstand the test of time, but that's just me. And it's not like I'm not biased. So, Mm uh, so the next scene, uh, this is an interesting one because I was a big fan of the show Oz. I loved, uh, again, talk about Intense. I loved the intensity of that show. They had such a big cast that they could just take main characters right out of the show at any time. It was like every episode potentially had huge stakes and you never knew what was going to happen, which is what I love about shows like that. And Lee Turguson was one of the actors on that show, and he's in this movie, he's the biker dude, and so there is a song where which introduces his character called Biker Chase. Now, see, we're getting a little bit of a throwback to the opening theme here. There is some similarities to it, that pulse, that boom, boom, and the, you know, that those little bits of percussion in there. And uh, a little bit of the music, but more the percussion. And this is a variation on that theme. It's what's called a variation. So a lot of times you'll have a main theme and then you'll have, uh, you know, two or three main themes sometimes. But there is a one overall main theme to the film. And then there are variations like this where you take what you did there And you put a different twist on it, maybe it is a similar situation, but fits a different character, or a different landscape, or it's a different time of day. And you want it to feel similar, you want it to be familiar, but also stand out on its own. So you take that and you you do what you originally did, and you twist it up and you do different things with it, but keeping some of that character, so that at least on a subconscious level, it's identifiable uh whether it really pays off or not you really never know because each audience member is going to be different some will remember the main theme some won't some will go I feel like I've heard this before you know and they'll wonder or some people won't notice it at all and that's that's what you get because everyone's an individual and so uh it's it's a really cool piece though it adds some good intensity and at first you know you think biker chase okay this is going to be one of those fast heart pounding kind of things But, you know, sometimes you have to have that build. Maybe this is a point where they're seeing the bikers in the rearview mirror catching up to them. Maybe the bikers are just getting alongside of them and just staring. I mean, there could be all kinds of things because, again, you could play up to the action or you can contradict the action with your audio and make more intensity waiting for something to happen than just having that heart pounding action sequence music. And again, it all depends on where the strike is, where you want people to have that shock value and what you want them to feel leading up to it. So a lot of strategy really does go into it. But for me, at least when I was writing soundtracks, it was more based on just the feel. You know, here's the feel of it. Where do we want the strike? Okay, great. So now how am I going to build to that and go from there? So uh, I love this piece, though. I think it has a lot to offer in the way of dynamics and just sonic quality. The mix on this album is absolutely perfect. I would not, I would not change a thing. Um, but had I been the one doing it, it might sound completely different, you know, just based on what I had. But it's easy to sit here as a, you know, a, a what do they call them, like a Monday morning quarterback of audio engineering, and and judge what could have been done or what, you know, whether these decisions were right or not. Because if I, if it had sounded differently, I might think that was better you know, you never know. But what I can, what I can say definitively is that I absolutely love what I'm hearing. I love the mix. I love the balance of sound. I love the layers of it. I love the intensity of percussion, whether it be the large percussion or something smaller. Uh, It just overall, everything is just fantastic on the soundtrack for me. So uh, moving on, the next one we have is Chrissy Alone, which is never a good thing in a horror movie. Just those pulses of percussion. They're not everywhere. It's not a beat. They're accents, and I think that works really well on the soundtrack too. Um, There are beats on some of the pieces with those those pulses, but uh, or not beats, I should say, just like percussion, some rhythms, some uh, melody in some of those rhythms. But this is just this is where I want you to feel something. Pow! You know, uh, really powerful stuff. And and I played a very short clip because that's actually a very short song. And that's the other thing is with soundtrack music the The times of a piece vary greatly. They can be two or three seconds to six or seven minutes. I mean, it can it can really be whatever the scene needs or whatever it, it could be at all. Like the scene might not need music; it might just need an accent or just a little subliminal throwback to a, a theme, just something to tie it in together. So you may only have something that lasts a couple seconds, whereas like uh, you know during a maybe like the biker chase, maybe that piece goes on for several minutes because it's a long drawn out scene that needs to build intensity. So uh, very much unlike regular songwriting, the times can be all over the place. So uh, now we're moving on to Mama's house. The first time we see this ridiculous house out in the Texas countryside. Now, I have always wondered, and maybe someday I'll get to clarify this, but that sound that we heard in that, that sort of uh, synthesized groan sound, I really wonder, because that's a bit of a theme in this movie, I wonder if that is a throwback to the original soundtrack for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie that came out in the 70s, because their uh, sound design was this rusty nail being removed sound. And it was really just like ear piercing. It cut through you every time. Uh, it was a bit overused, I thought, but it it really made a point. And I kind of wonder if this, because it was like, kind of like a squeal. I wonder if this was a bit of a throwback to that. Like I need to create something that's thematic and I can bring back when I need to, that doesn't take a, you know, a a huge amount of time, just a quick sound design bit. I I don't know if that was the case, but it certainly would make sense. It's the, the same point to it, but just on the opposite side of the musical scale, it's much lower. Um, doesn't have a squeak to it. It has like more of a deep intensity and it's kind of slow and patient, which makes it even creepier to me. Um, but a very fine piece. Nonetheless, I, I really enjoy that. And now we're going to get to my favorite uh, piece or one of my favorite pieces on the soundtrack, because this is a throwback. We're going to get to 10 pushups. Now, this song is when the guy who has killed the police officer, he's related to Leatherface, he's now stolen his police car, his identity, his clothing, and now he's giving the the main characters what we believe to be the good guys. And I say that because it's all about the perception, right? We're told the story from the perspective of the young kids that have intruded on these people's lives. So we think they're the good guys, and of course the murderers are the bad guys. And that makes sense. I mean, that kind of fits the culture. But I always say, what if Star Wars were told from the visual point of Darth Vader? Would the Rebels still be the good guys? Probably not, because we don't really get to understand Darth Vader's side. All we get is this guy's evil. He wants to kill these good guys that are just trying to stop him. So they're the good guys. You know, if the story had been told from Darth Vader's perspective, who knows? Maybe we'd be like, hey, I want to join the Empire. You know, they do Empire stuff. So I say this with uh, respect to the perspective of the film. The film is designed to give us the empathy of the young kids who have just had a stroke of bad luck. They've broken down. Now they're in, in, uh, in captivity. And our new officer is going to give them a very hard time. Basically, he, he's not intending to let them go. He's going to kill them, but he's toying with them. He says, hey, if you can just do 10 push-ups, I'll let you go. Simple as that no, no lying, no hidden games, no nothing. Just you do 10 pushups and you're out of here. And that sounds so simple, but you know, of course it never is. He never said do 10 pushups. I won't touch you. He didn't say that at all. So here is our continuation from where we were in the main uh, theme when we first heard that. So I'm going to skip ahead to a bit of the middle of the song here. And you can hear uh, the intensity that I was talking about. We were building towards earlier. even as that fades out, I love how we hear the separation of different components fading out at different uh, times. And you can kind of hear some of the background stuff that was going on that you might not have noticed as much of before. I love that. I love the layers of that. I love the intensity of it. I mean, the build, the payoff, it's all just absolutely stunning in this song. And also, uh, you know, we've replaced that uh, low sort of moaning sound with actual people and I, I, it sounds to me like a children's choir. I'm not sure what it actually is, but uh, it, it just adds that level of intensity, kind of replicates again that rusty nail sort of sound that may or may not be a throwback to the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre score. Uh, but in any case, yeah, this is a piece that I have just like I could just be driving down the highway at night and listen to it and then listen to it again and then listen to it again just because it has such great intensity to it. And i um, definitely uh, glad that they put that in the main title as well. And they did this throwback here. Um, just a stunning piece of horror music. Absolutely stunning. And this song is really the, the main reason I would vote this is one of the most intense horror soundtracks ever. And then you add in all the other stuff and man, it just gets better and better. So I'm looking at the time and, you know, I've been trying to keep the show like under 45 minutes. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But we're really at the 40 minute mark and we're only halfway through the album. So I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to break this into two episodes. So this will be the end of part one. Come back at some point for part two when I post it. And in the meantime, there will be other interviews and album reviews and all kinds of things on the show to enjoy. So I hope that you've liked this. I hope that this has set the tone for your Halloween. Maybe it has. Maybe it hasn't. I don't know. But in any case, I hope it did. And I hope you guys have a great day. We'll see you guys soon. Cheers.